Hello, and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beattie, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. I find myself reflecting on blessings lately. What is a blessing? In Buddhism, blessing has meaning based in spiritual practice. One of the simplest and most familiar of Buddhist blessings in the Soto Zen tradition is the Gasho, when we bring our hands with the palms flat together at the heart, fingers pointing upright. Then we incline our head or the top half of the body, often to each other, while in this position, in an exchange of reverence. It is a natural posture. It is even very close to the posture we will have held for quite some while, in the womb. In a Buddhist funeral, when possible, the hands of the one who has died are placed in gasho and wrapped with a rosary before cremation or burial. In the field of meaning surrounding the English word blessing, There is much which refers to holiness and goodness. Sanctity. Consecration. Protection. Benediction. Gifts. Good wishes. Approval. Reverence. Praise and prosperity. The way we use this word in our language is laden with religious connotations reaching 
way back to the pre-Christian Old English blod and bletzian, meaning to make holy. So when we say blessing, the word may bring up past associations for us individually and also because of what may have seeped in through our enculturation. In Zen Buddhism, everything may be received as a blessing, and in the most basic sense, anyone may give and accept a blessing as a recognition of the sacred, the Buddha nature, in everything. Within this understanding, there are both formal and informal blessings and everything in between. In ceremonies, an object may be blessed by the priest sensing it in incense smoke and raising it up at the altar, or by flinging water with the fingers in the blessing mudra, or with a bundle of pine needles, or with an asperge, or even with a single gentle warm drop poured out ever so carefully so as not to startle, such as we may do with a baby during a naming ceremony, if the baby is willing. It does not make the baby holy to bless the baby. The baby is already holy. The baby is the blessing. The formal blessing recognizes the baby's unique and also mutually shared true essence. This is also true in virtually all other Buddhist ceremonies. In the ceremony for formally taking the precepts and becoming a Buddhist, there is a recognition. In the wedding ceremony, there is a consecration of the marriage. In the funeral ceremony, there is a giving and receiving of the precepts and an acknowledgement of immaculacy and the Buddhahood of all things, especially the one who has died. In every daily, monthly, quarterly, and festival ceremony, there is a burning of incense, or pouring out of water, or lighting of candles in the darkened hall, which are ways of sharing and increasing the benefits of the intention behind the ceremony, which at root is to see the Buddha in the particular focus of each ceremony. There are even blessing ceremonies just specifically for blessing something, such as a new temple, a statue of a bodhisattva, a house, a horse, or a motorcycle, inviting the person, place, or thing to serve its purpose well and benefit beings. Above all, blessing in Buddhism is recognition. Blessing is a most welcome meeting of what we share each with each. Buddha recognizes Buddha. 
and Buddha bows to Buddha. All the various practices that we do are a form of blessing and are possible because of this recognition of Buddha by Buddha. Meditation, following the precepts, living from the heart of compassion, love, and wisdom, all are a recognition of the inherent holiness of all existence and our place within its embrace. In the Shushogi, the collected teachings of great master Dogen, the section called Awakening to the Mind of the Bodhisattva describes the practice of true wisdom, the Bodhisattva mind which sees our endless connection with all living things. It describes the practice of the four wisdoms of charity, tenderness, benevolence, and sympathy, and then, in summation, ends with the following. O you seekers of enlightenment, meditate deeply upon these teachings and do not make light of them. Give respect and reverence to their merit, which brings blessing to all living things. Help all beings to cross over to the other shore. So the merit of our very practice becomes a blessing, an offering to benefit all beings. In Mahayana Buddhism, we all cross over together because we are all in it together. So if we can help others, they are also helping us, and we are also helping ourselves. And together we cross the sea of existence, its surface churning with births and deaths, comings and goings, to the place we never left, to where we came from, to the present moment where we are not separate. Unsui is a Japanese word which may refer to a person who is doing Zen training. It literally means cloud water and is applied specifically to novice monks or monks who are looking for their teacher so that they may find enlightenment. It may also mean any seeker of the way a pilgrim's heart. The image I get from the word unsui is of a sincere one who has recognized the ephemeral nature of her own being, recognized that the component parts which make up her own self do not themselves contain any enduring separate substance, and like a cloud, the winds of her searching may blow her here and there. She may obscure the very truth she seeks, or she may also dissipate, may at any moment dissolve herself into a mist of healing rain 
to benefit all beings. In his anguish, Hamlet cries out, Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a dew. What he longs for is the very thing he cannot manage to do in his limited view. What Hamlet cannot realize in the suffering of his clinging to self is that he can melt, thaw, and resolve into a dew of great compassion if only he will let go of his idealization of truth and duty. We can let go of our self-absorption, our greeds, hates, and delusions. We can let go of ourself. I can let go of the limits I have set on what I consider myself by recognizing that I am as they are and they are as I am. Buddha From the poem, The Light of Asia I, Bud, who wept with all my brother's tears, whose heart was broken by a whole world's woe, laugh and am glad, for there is liberty. Ho, ye who suffer, know ye suffer from yourselves. None else compels. None other holds you that you live and die and whirl upon the wheel and hug and kiss its spokes of agony, its tire of tears, its knave of nothingness. Behold, I show you truth. Lower than hell, higher than heaven, outside the utmost stars, farther than Brahm doth dwell, before beginning and without an end, as space eternal and as surety sure, is fixed a power divine which moves to good. Only its laws endure. Blessing is a straightforward and clear recognition of sacredness. It is not mere approval to be bestowed or withheld. We are not so much in need of blessing as that we are a blessing, that we may offer and receive blessing. Blessing is love, pure love, and the willingness to share it, to acknowledge it. At one point years ago, many ancient relics of the Buddha and great Buddhist saints and teachers of the ages 
were brought and displayed in a temple in the city where I was training at that time in a small priory. My teacher was invited to take a turn among the many monks and priests who would be there in the great room to offer a blessing to people as they moved through in a long line by touching a small stupa containing some of the relics to the head of any person who wished to receive the blessing. My job was to sit next to her on a lower seat as she sat on a raised platform, blessing each person in turn. If anyone needed assistance, whether my teacher or the person asking for blessing, I was to offer it, whatever it might be. Person after person, each different, approached her seat for the blessing. What a variety of ways to approach for blessing. Some were fearful, some joyous, some eager, some puzzled. One seemed slightly bored, and some didn't want to leave to let others come forward. Some rushed up and back. Some were transformed. Some seemed to confirm something. Some clearly had a burden lifted. Not a single one was like any other. Some seemed more to offer, some to receive in great gulps, as they knelt or bowed or sat or bent gently at the knee or prostrated themselves totally. It was awe-inspiring. And as we sat there in the sea of blessings, over the course of a good couple of hours or more, a quiet feeling of pervading golden peace crept gently over the whole scene there in the temple hall until along came the next cleric on the rota to take up the place on the raised platform, and my teacher and I each bowed and were blessed and returned into the flow of blessed pilgrims who had come for blessing, blessed. Did this come from the Buddha's relics interred within the small stupa, the object with which the blessing was being offered? In a sense, I realized, blessing comes of seeking blessing and of bestowing it when it is asked. We don't have to have an understanding of blessing. We know a blessing when we feel it. Blessings are. They simply populate the universe with themselves. Every offering is a blessing, and every blessing is an offering. A blessed state eternally awaits us, non-separate. It is not attained 
it is realized. It is let in, being neither pushed away nor grabbed onto. It is a byproduct of the work we do within the heart and heart to heart. Counting my blessings. How often do I look around and consider how many ways I am blessed? If I then see many blessings, it doesn't mean I am favored. It may mean I am lucky, or it may simply be the beneficial results of past positive actions, the consequences of which I have merely inherited, as it were. Have I noticed? Or do I take for granted all the good things in my life, the things which let me live a good life and do what truly needs to be done. Counting my blessings, or merely noticing them, can cause me very naturally to express gratitude. This is not to say that we should be grateful for all that we have because we have plenty to eat and a nice place to live and dear ones we love and who love us tenderly, if that is the case. The thought of gratitude is not meant to induce guilt for not having noticed my many advantages in life compared to others like a sound mind and a human body, like a good education and writing lessons when I was a child, if that was the case. Gratitude is not just my grudging payment for some debt, like the good fortune of having been able to travel the world and to comprehend profound universal truth and beauty in the presence of Michelangelo's Pietà, for example. And I may well naturally be grateful for such boons, should I care to reflect on the many blessings of my life. Gratitude is a reflexive human response to the awareness of pure goodness wherever it may be found, and whatever state I may be in when I happen to encounter it. When seeing clearly how much becomes possible both to me and to others as a result of even the most mildly favorable circumstances, gratitude wells up, unstoppable, like an artesian well, and the benefits from the flow of gratitude are endless, reaching all beings and even increasing my own blessings as one blessing leads to another.
How my life unfolds is due to many factors, but it is not due to any inherent so-called good or bad aspects of my character. Because the law of karma is inevitable and inexorable, there are results to whatever we think, say, and do. But in our practice, it is not particularly helpful to speculate on what I may have done wrong to deserve the unpleasant circumstances which may befall me. If I can see that some painful situation is the result of my past harmful actions, I can learn from that and resolve and then choose not to repeat such actions in the future as best I can. But events do arise in life, which may seem to come out of left field and hit us broadside. Such calamities are not arising to punish or test us. They are not a judgment on us. They simply are. And then our spiritual work may lie in the areas of what will I do with these disasters as they arise? What is the teaching here for me to see? What may I offer in these conditions? There is a term used to describe monks sometimes in the scriptures and in practice as a field of merit. This term, field of merit, needn't be confined only to monks. It may apply to any of us, to any situation. Any being, any thing, may be a field of merit. That is, an area into which we make beneficial offerings and may then multiply exponentially to help countless beings. A field of merit is simply an area where we may offer our help, our blessings, as in a fertile field which produces bountiful harvest. When we have something to offer, that is a blessing. When we are in need and help comes, that is a blessing. When it does not come, where do we turn for refuge? As I go through life, how may I look out at the world in such a way that seeks to find blessing in all conditions? How may I look for the ways in which whatever is arising may bring good? This does not mean only always look on the bright side of life. Everything which arises has its upside and its downside. It means how may I learn and grow and help within all sides of any situation? Even storms 
fires, floods, violence, and sickness. Even that which is difficult to look upon, however agonizing, can become a blessing. When I am willing to open my heart to allow it to be seen. Then the unloved can become cherished. If nothing else, for the opportunity it provides for the widening of my heart. A blessing in disguise. There is a blessing deep within my heart and yours that longs to be set free, to become what it truly is, to offer itself to benefit all beings. This is the essence of the precepts, our heart's wish to cease from evil, to do only good, to do good for others. This is the Buddha nature, which we recognize when we bow to one another in Gasho, palms together at the heart, no separation. What a blessing. Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart That Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzeon Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings including you, wherever you may be.